This is a WTOP original podcast. Welcome to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP news podcast. I'm your host, Scott Greenberg, and today I have the pleasure of speaking to Anne Charlotte Vachis. She is the proprietor and winemaker at Chateau de la Fonte de Loup in the wonderful, one of my favorite regions in all the world, and particularly in France, Chateauneuf-du-Pop. And Charlotte, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me today. All the way from from France. I'm very excited that you're I'm here. I'm very excited as well. Wow. So I got to tell you, I, I know a lot about Chateauneuf-du-Pop. I consider myself somewhat of a Chateauneuf-du-Pop snob. And I have to say that um, I have not had the pleasure of, of um, you know, having uh, a lot of the Chateau de la Fonte-du-Loup. So I'm very excited about this because I understand that there's some very unique things about your terroir. But what's also exciting is there's something unique about you in the fact that, so the vineyards have been in your family almost 100 years. Yes. You're a fourth generation winemaker owner, and you're the first female winemaker in your family. So that's got to be pretty cool. That's cool. Yeah. Yes. So tell me about uh, this this wonderful Chateau de la Fonte de Loup. So La Fonte de Loup, as you mentioned, has been in my family for the past 100 years. Yeah. Uh, bought by my great-grandfather, then owned by my grandfather, my father, and now my husband and I. Okay. Uh, I'm the first generation, as you mentioned, and the first female winemaker in my family because I don't have any brothers. So <laughs> I think the choice was <laughs> easily made. <laughs> so, but uh, La Fonte du Loup is a beautiful, beautiful uh, winery. It's... Um, First, a fantastic chateau. So it has been built 200 years ago. It's like a princess castle with wow. pink. It's it's beautiful. It's quite unique. But the big change that we have is that we are located on the top of a hill. The vines are completely north-facing and planted on a sandy soil. So that's interesting. North-facing. North-facing. So you referred yourself as a Chateauneuf-du-Pape snob. We. Oui. If I tell you about Lacro or Lacroix, does it ring a bell? Yes, of course. Of course. So we are on the top of Lacroix. Okay. I would say Lacroix with my French accent. Okay, oui. So we have the north face. So my closest neighbor is Le Vieux Telegraphe. Sure. They have the south face okay. with the big rocks, and we have the north face with only sandy soil. Interesting. So it's La Fonte du Loup. The, the nickname of La Fonte du Loup is the refrigerator of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. It is the coldest spot of Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Why is that? First, because we are north-facing, okay. so we have a lot of wind. It's constantly, the Mistral is constantly blowing in La Fonte du Loup. Now, the Mistral, we should probably explain, is the wind that blows... From north to south. Okay. So the, it's called the Mistral. It's an very, very uh, strong and heavy wind, which can which can blows all year long, and um, which is uh, sometimes our best friend, sometimes our worst enemy, depending on when it blows okay. and uh, the strength of the blow, of course. Sure, and of course the temperature of the blow. And the temperature of the blow. See? So, yeah, and um, again, being on a sandy soil versus being on a rocky soil, um, 
is a very, very interesting fact because of the temperature of the soil. So on a rocky soil, the rocks can be extremely warm during the day. Right. And they will stay warm at night as right. well. They retain the heat. They retain the heat. So the roots planted on those vines are kept are keep at an higher temperature. Okay. And if you put your hand just right above a stone, it will irradiate so the grapes are warmer as well. While on the sandy soil, and you made this experience, I'm sure, walking barefoot on a, sand, on a sandy beach. During the day, it's so warm that you really have to run to the sea to get your feet right. a little bit colder. Right. But as soon as the suns go down, the sand is cold. So the roots of the vines planted on a sandy soil are keep at a, a colder temperature. Okay. And of course, the sand doesn't irradiate. So the sand doesn't uh, warm the grapes. So I would say by essence, the wine that we are able to produce on the sandy soil is lighter, fresher, with a higher level of acidity. Is that Now, did, do those grapes require, and I'm, I'm only asking because I don't know, do they require a longer hang time? Do they, do, yes. Does it take longer for that fruit to ripen on the north side yes. versus, you know, Vu Telegraph? Yeah, 10 uh, days to two weeks. Really? You're so, harvesting later? Yeah, we harvest later, 10 days to two weeks after a lot of people. For instance, um, you may know the uh, Clos du Caillou. Yeah, We usually start our harvest when they finish their harvest. Perfect timing. Yeah, perfect timing, yeah, which, okay. is, uh, which is quite fun. And we have less alcohol as well. So the alcohol is lower. The alcohol the, is lower. What about the, the acidity? The acidity is higher. Okay. And we harvest later than a lot of people in Chateauneuf-du-Pape. Well, I'm very excited because I see we have both a white and a red here in the studio that we're going to be trying a little later in the podcast. So I'm going to be, yep. you know, I'm very excited. And I actually have been to Vu Telegraph and, and Bocastel and the Big Rocks. And you're right. You can put your hand right over there. It's very warm. You can almost like crack an egg yeah. and make a, a fried egg. Yeah, take a while. Yeah, yeah but I mean... <laughs> <laughs> but I get it. Now, what also about the drainage? I, I assume that the sandy soil drains very well. Yes. Um, so there's another very uh, interesting point in La Fond du Loup. And we mentioned the name. La Fond du Loup means the fountain of the wolf. Okay. So we have a, a natural spring water fountain, but also some uh, water table on the ground. Okay. Not that deep, but not that deep. So the sand is drain the water. But as our underground is humid, so we never suffer about um, lack of water. So the vines are happy. The vines are happy. They get all the water they need. Most of the time they are happy. Okay, yes. very good. <laughs> now this summer, by the way, just curious because I was in France this summer and it was blistering hot in July. How did, was were the vines okay? Did they shut down or were they just fine? Because... You're on the north side, you have this wind, and you've got yeah. sandy soil and a high aquifer. Yes. So I assume so, you probably didn't have the problems that a lot of the we, other vineyards in France No, you're did. right. We didn't have as many problems as the other had. But to be honest with you, we've been completely saved by the miraculous rain uh, that we get mid-September. And so this rain like was really saved the, the, the harvest. So we just finished to press all the grapes two days ago. 
And we have, of course, a fabulous quality, but also a nice quantity of grapes, which is great. So you like this vintage? A lot. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. I'll have to take note. 2019, the place to go. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, beautiful vintage, and I don't really like to talk about vintage as I believe that to be a winemaker is like to be a parent, except that you are expecting a new child every year. And you, you are happy with what you get. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's a pain in the ass. Forgive my French. <laughs> well, if that's French, I'm fluent. <laughs> <laughs> so, but you have to accept that the nature doesn't give you every year the same cards. I love, it. I love that analogy. And, and this is true. We accept that. We love our vines. We take care of them as we take care of our child, our children, I, I want to say. And every vintage has its own personality. So there's some vintage which are more difficult, but we are professional. So we know how to deal with those vintages. Maybe we will have a lower crop. Mm -hmm. We will sort the grapes very, very carefully to only bring in our cellar the best grapes ever. Mm -hmm. And we'll put all our energy and all our effort to discover the personality of every vintage. And to be able to bring in our bottle and to bring you the best wine as possible. I love it. So you have three children, so you know of what you speak. Yeah, yeah. You have an easy vintage? Uh, <laughs> three of them were very easy. Oh, you're very lucky. Yes. Yeah, I have three vintages, and they're all very different. No, they are different, all of them, but they are very, very nice. Uh, and actually, as I don't really take care of my kids, because my husband is at home taking care of the kids. So as you said, your better half, but... <laughs> my better half is at home. That's wonderful. Now, you work with your husband. Yeah, I do. Is he also a winemaker or is he working in the, the vineyards? So, no, no, we, we both are winemaker. Okay. Mm -hmm. And do you ever, I'm just kind of curious, do you disagree? Do you have one this style? Is, he has a different style? Are no, you on the style. Simpatico? We, no, on the style of the wine, we are always, always agree. Okay. Uh, because he's a very sensitive and sensible person. So, so he agrees with you. <laughs> yes, basically. <laughs> he's a smart man. Yes, he's okay. still alive. <laughs> Is there so, anything you disagree on in, in winemaking? Or, or No, not in winemaking, in everything else, but <laughs> okay. not in winemaking. <laughs> well, you have that in common. Now, I also understand that um, your uh, vineyards are farmed organically so, and that you have a unique – is it a unique trellising system or So it's not certified organic. Okay. So it's a new French certification, which is named HVE. It means Haute Valeur Environnementale in French, which we can translate as uh, High Environmental Value. And which oh, is Oh, I just focused. heard about this. Yeah. So it's quite new. And to me – it's a fantastic, fantastic uh, way to cultivate the vines because, first of all, you take care of the environment. And the idea behind that is to leave the lightest footprint as possible on the planet. So, of course, no pesticide, no herbicide, no fungicide, nothing like that if we don't need it. But also, um, we need to have a nice way to not waste water. They ask us how we warm our office, for instance. Mm -hmm. 
How many times a year do we go out with our tractors? How many gallons of petrol do we use? And all those details count. Not only the fact that we don't use any chemicals in our vineyard, right. nor in the cellar. So I love it. So you're being environmentally sensitive and responsible. Very. And the other, uh, the other point is the encouragement of the biodiversity. So we are surrounded by a deep forest in La Fond du Loup. So we have a lot of insects. They could be our enemies, but we decided to um, be friends with the insects. Okay. So we have our own uh, honeybees. So we do our own honey, mm-hmm. which is very helpful for the vines as well, for the pollinization. Yes. Uh, so we try to be very environmental friendly, but also uh Animal friendly. I don't know if it makes sense. No, but it does. I think insect yeah. friendly. <laughs> and I'm not the, the I'm not the best insect friend. Honestly, every time in the vineyard and I see an insect, like I, I shout. <laughs> but anyway. So this new certification. How long has it been in? So force? we've been working for this for this, this way forever. And as it's a new certification, we've been certified like a year ago. Okay. And it's and we are certified level three, which is the highest level of this certification. But it's not anything different than you've really always done, I assume. No, I mean no, this no, has always no, been no. your philosophy. Uh, it has always been our philosophy. Yes. Yeah. Yes. To be gentle and Yeah, I mean this vineyard came from my great grandfather. Can you imagine that? It has been in my family for almost a hundred years. Wow. I hope that maybe the fifth generation. Wow, your three children. Yeah, but I'm way too young to uh, not get retired. So right. and to give them the key right now, but maybe in 20 years we'll see. That's one. Now, uh, how old are they? Just out of 18, 15, and 12. Does anybody have any interest yet? Have they shown any we'll see. interest? We'll see. Yeah, I don't would, know. How old were you when you said, you know, this is something I really want to do? Oh uh, no, I never, I never say that. The fun story is uh, one day when I was like 23 or 24, my father decided that he was fed up to be a winemaker in Chateauneuf du Pape, so he basically gave me the keys and the problems and said, now you know it's your turn. My What? dream was to be a lawyer. <laughs> so he just walks up to you one day and says, "I'm done. I'm done. Your turn now." And had you been working in the winery? I mean, did you have to go to school? I mean, this no. This is like, were you just I've, thrown this, into the deep end of the pool, as yeah. we say? Something like that. Um, the thing is, I hope my father will never, ever hear this podcast. Otherwise, it's going to kill me. But I've been his <laughs> slave since I was like 10 years old. And he always put me in the vineyard during the school holidays uh-huh. and tell me, yeah, you have to work. Wow. So I'm able to do all the work in the vineyard. And so I learned like that. So you've been, okay, so even though your dream was maybe to become a lawyer and he comes in and drops the keys in your lap one day, it wasn't foreign to you. This is something that so you had a I lot of experience with. I think that, I always say that I didn't choose my job, but my job chose me. And I'm like a very, very happy winemaker, very happy with what I'm doing, very happy to be able to see um, all the nature cycles from planting to enjoying the wine at the end of, uh, you know, the cycle. Yep, yep, yep. Now, you, um, how many different 
wines do you make? You make obviously a red and a white Chateauneuf. Is there so any special cuvées? Or? We make a red and a white. Uh, it's a traditional blend. And then we have 100% Grenache okay. coming from 100-year-old vines. Wow. And I do also have, um, depending on the vintage, but I like to check on the different grapes that we have in the blend. Okay. Being a Chateauneuf du Pape winemaker, believe it or not, but it can be a little bit frustrating because uh, it's usually a blend. So we blend Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre mostly, and I never know what my Mourvedre and my Syrah are going to develop, how they are going to develop, what is their personality by themselves. So on certain vintage, I try to make 100% Syrah or 100% Mourvedre, just to check. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's a good way for us to check if everything is okay in the vineyard. And it's also a good way for us to see the personality of the wine through the years. Now, do you vinify, or I should, you know, I always get into wine speak, so I apologize, but do you uh, make the uh, the wines, uh, ferment the wines separately the Syrah is separate from the Mouvedre. It's not co-fermented. No, nothing is okay. co-fermented. For um, another thing that I like to say, there's two two um, answer to that question. The first answer will be being um, on the coldest part of Chateauneuf du Pape. The Grenache and the Mourvedre are never ever ripe at the same time. Right. So it's ten days apart. Which one ripens first? Grenache okay. and Mourvedre at the end. Okay. So we could wait until the Grenache is super ripe and the Mourvedre almost ripe and co-ferment. This is what my father used to do. I don't really like that. Right. So I'd rather harvest my Grenache when they are ripe, not overripe, and my Mourvedre when they are ripe and not underripe. Right. So you're doing it separately. So we do it separately. And uh, the other thing is I really think that to be an happy couple, you have to, happy to be two happy people by yourself to create a third harmonious entity. And I believe that it's the same for the wine. We have to give the chance to every variety to express themselves. And then it allows us to make a more precise blend. Now, Chateauneuf de Pop is very unique because it's not just those three grapes no. That uh, are grown in Chateauneuf de Pop. There are how many? 13. 13. 13. 13 different varieties of grapes. It's seven for the red and six for the white. And we are able to mix white and red. Right. Together. So, together to right. do red. Mm -hmm. And which is one of the things I absolutely adore about Chateauneuf de Pop because it's like a painter with many colors on the palette that yeah, they can right. paint with. Right. So it's not just Syrah, and it's not just Mouvedre, or just or Cinso, right? Cinso yeah. is another very popular grape in Chateauneuf de Pop. We don't have, um, I think in Gigondas, they have to have a certain amount of uh, yes. uh, Grenache. Yep. We don't. Right, you can do anything. We can do anything. Yeah, and and so your blends are traditionally Grenache, Syrah, and Mouvedre. Mouvedre and Cinso. And Sanso, you mm -hmm. do use Sanso. Yeah, okay. we have five percent of Sanso. I love Sanso. Okay. Oh, they are exceptional. And the, then the unique challenge, I assume. I mean, for you, it's probably a lot of fun. I mean, I've done blendings before, and I cannot tell you how much respect I have for winemakers who have to go through this 
because I think it's a real challenge to take all of those different grape varieties and blend them into something where you go, aha, that's what we're going to do. And that, of course, but you also have to follow the philosophy of the winery. So, a house style? And the house or, style, the okay. history. Historically speaking, La Fondulou has always made a lighter style of wine, okay. fresher because of its orientation and the terroir. So I cannot come one day and say, I'm going to make a big blockbuster because it won't be the style. So you need to think about the history. You need to think about the blend, what you want in your blend. But I always say that I remember when I was uh, uh, 22, getting married, and I needed to find my wedding dress. And I knew there would be one wedding dress for me. And I found it. And every year when I blend the wine, I think about this moment. There's one blend for this vintage. And every time we found we found it, I'm super, super happy. So I say, I found my wedding dress. Oh, that's wonderful. And and we are we are about to taste this. So I do have a other than the wedding dress analogy, do you ever go back and taste prior vintages and and kind of remind yourself, like, ah, oh, this is yes, that's that's the style and that's how I want it to taste in Three years, five years, whatever. As every vintage are very, very, each vintage is very different from the previous one. Uh, um, this is what I told you. I try to let them express themselves. Mm -hmm. So the most difficult part will be to discover the personality of the wine um, before the bottling. So what we do is we taste all year long. Okay all the different uh, vats, all the different barrels, everything uh, to discover the personality of the wine. And when we discover that, we are able to blend the wine. Wonderful. So I, I you know, I, now I, I definitely am excited to try these wines. So we've talked about them. We've talked about your style. If we're, now comes the point in our podcast where we actually get to taste the wine. Fantastic. Great. Okay. <laughs> so tell me about the two wines that we have in front of us. Let's start with the one on the left, obviously a white wine. So on the left is a white. It's a white Chateau Neuf du Pape. It's a blend of Grenache Blanc, Roussanne, Clairette, and Bourboulinque. Wow. Um, it's white Chateau Neuf du Pape is what I call the unicorn. We all know that it exists, <laughs> but not a, a lot of us have been able to taste some white Chateauneuf du Pape. It is such a small amount of wine. So it represents less than 5% of the total production in Chateauneuf du Pape. And I only produce 300 cases of white Chateauneuf du Pape. You need to produce more. This is beautiful. So thank you. Um, my wife, who I think actually has a better palate than I do, she has three loves in her life. Her children, Champagne and Chateauneuf du Pape Blanc. Wow. She loves And Chateauneuf what about chocolate? Uh, well, chocolate probably, can, well, that would be four, and I guess I would be five. Okay. <laughs> so I'm in there somewhere. <laughs> I'm, I'm in the top ten, I'm sure. But, but this Chateauneuf du Pape Blanc is stunning. Thank it's, you. You know, we, um, because it is one of her favorites, we usually have a bottle or two of Chateauneuf du Pape Blanc uh, a week. Uh, oh, wow. you know, yeah, we we drink a lot of Chateauneuf de Pop Blanc. Matter of fact, we um, are having a white truffle dinner 
coming cool. up. And we're going to do Chat Neuf de Pont Blanc with oh, that's uh, great. one of the courses. And uh, very excited about that. So we do we do a lot of champagne and a lot of Chat Neuf de Pont Blanc. And I'm, it's interesting that you call it a unicorn because I guess since we drink so much, but I just assumed everybody else does. But you're right. No, no, no. no. Uh, uh, I'm super surprised and very happy to hear that, that you are a mm. Chateauneuf-du-Pape white drinker. Mm -hmm. Because most of the time people say, I didn't even know that uh, Chateauneuf-du-Pape produced white wine. Shame on them. This is wonderful. So I get a lot of this the beautiful honeysuckle uh, aromas on the nose. And in, and in the mouth, it's just elegant and, and luscious. Mm-hmm. It's got, um, I wouldn't call it viscous, but it's elegant and, and luscious and rich. Silky as well. Silky, thank you. It's That's the very, word. very, very silky Exactly. In That's the, the word I'm looking for. Silky. And it's quite long. And very different from other Chateauneuf de Pas Blancs I've had. Mm -hmm. I, this is more, much more of a feminine style of, of the wine. Yes. She's pointing to herself. <laughs> She's feminine. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a beautifully, um, it's it's silky and elegant. Thank you. And this I is just, exactly uh, what I want to, this is the kind of wine that I, I drink. So I told you I was supposed to be a lawyer. I wasn't supposed to be a winemaker. So I'm glad you are. <laughs> yes, but then I can make the wine that I mm. like to drink as well. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's 2018. It's 2018. Yes, it's the new uh, released vintage. Is it, it? And it's in the market now. It's in in the market now. Yes. Wow, that is just that is lovely. Thank it just you. it feels, um, and and not only okay. And I don't want anybody to think that it's not, you know because it's elegant or or feminine or silky, but it's not powerful too because the finish just goes on and on and on in this mm -hmm. wine. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just I can still. Get it on the back of the palate and just... Uh, yeah, the power can come from elegance as well. Yeah. Uh, as, as elegance is very powerful. It is. Yeah. yeah you should meet my wife. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so now we're, we're going into the red, and this is the 2017... vintage, so it's our... Of, of the Rouge. Of the, the Rouge, Right, yes. the Chateauneuf du Pape. Now this is the... Just you. This is the standard bottling. This is our traditional blend. Traditional blend. Okay. Uh, it's a blend of Grenache, Syrah, Mourvedre, and Senso, as okay. we in mentioned that order? before. Okay. Um, in the in the order, it's Grenache, Mourvedre, Syrah, and Senso. Okay. So it's sixty percent of Grenache, twenty uh, Mourvedre, fifteen Syrah, and five Senso. That's a hundred. Uh, <laughs> yes. Sometimes I have to count. <laughs> So the vines are 65 years old in average. Wow. So, um, so yeah, that nice beautiful. thing about older vines is you can get a lot of expression, a lot of concentration. From the terroir, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So it's a thing. And by the way, the wine, so it smells, I don't want to say like a typical Chateauneuf du Pape, but it, it, it definitely is Chateauneuf du Pape. It's Chateauneuf du Pape. Right. Yes. You know, if you were having this mm -hmm. in blind tasting and smell it, you would go, oh, yeah, you know, definitely mm -hmm. Chateauneuf du Pape because it's got the beautiful. You know, sort of that tobacco and cedar and a little bit of that um, darker fruit coming through on the nose. Um, and what licorice. I, what I really kind of consider those telltale notes of, mm -hmm. yeah, the licorice. I get that. Absolutely. How come I'm the only one drinking? Oh. <laughs> I'm just kind of curious. <laughs> it's like, wait, you know, so it, it's always nice to drink with the winemaker because I want to make sure that, uh, well, you know, you're not poisoning me. No, <laughs> <laughs> I try not to. Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Sorry for that silence, but we're both, wow, trying a beautiful wine. Okay, so very different, very different from what I would consider the, the Chateauneuf de Pops I normally have, I guess, on the south side of the tracks. Um, again, delicious and and but elegant again a little bit um definitely a more feminine style of Chateauneuf de Pop than uh and I know it's a newer vintage and Chateauneuf de Pops can be funny early on. Um you know and but this it's it's got a lot of um redder for lack of a better word, redder fruit than mm-hmm. I would associate then with darker fruit, right? You know, I normally think of Chateauneuf as maybe having the uh black cherry versus red cherry in in this wine or you know maybe kind of even a, a a cranberry and raspberry thing going on in here. I was thinking about raspberry. Yeah. And I really oh this is delicious, but you know great acidity. Perfect acidity. Yes. Great acidity which allows our wine to age extremely well. Mm. So it's still a new vintage, so it's very alive in the mouth mm-hmm. and you have Tannins, even if the tannins mm. are very soft, they are soft. You still have them, so it's the key to age the wine for a very long time. So if you have the chance to have a cellar, you can cellar it for a long time. But you can also enjoy it right now. And uh, so, Chateauneuf de Pops. Occasionally, some of them from certain vintages will go into what we call a dumb phase. I don't know what you would call it in. Do you call it a dumb phase? Yeah, I say that they are teenagers. Yeah, so they go into their teenage years where mm-hmm. they just are kind of... They close down. They close down and they don't want to talk to you uh, anymore. Especially for the white. It's true for every white Chateauneuf du Pape. They are super fresh like that for mm-hmm. the first, let's say, six to seven years. Mm-hmm. And then they are teenagers, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, they so shut down. They don't want to talk to you. They shut down. They don't want to talk to they you. Stay the they room stay in the room. Loud. Yeah. And after... Let's say two years, they open up. Yeah, they and come out. They come out, and, they and they're are, more interesting. They are more interesting. They are very bright. They stay bright and very, still very alive, but uh, rounder and this kind of roundness, roundness that we get with age. That's, yeah, and and uh, reds go into in that uh, on that phase as well. Sometimes or sometimes, sometimes. Right. Uh, I'll never forget. I have a very dear friend who I whose name I will not mention, Jim, and he <laughs> um, one night I'm over at his house, and we absolutely adore Chateauneuf de Pop, and so he was opening um, a 1981 Chateauneuf de Pop, and we hope he opens it up, and wow. uh, this is years ago, and uh, he pours a glass, and you know it was it was uninteresting. It was. You know, he goes, oh, it's corked, and he pours it down the drain. And then he opens up a second, and the same thing. He was like, oh, I can't believe it, two corked bottles in a row. And he pours it down the drain. He opens a third, and I'm like, Jim, please stop. It's not corked. It's just in a dumb face. And he looks at me with horror, (laughs) absolute abject horror, and he said, oh, my God, I've just dumped two bottles down yes. the drain. So and, uh, I had this experience. It was exactly a year ago. I was mm-hmm. in uh, North Carolina with a friend of mine. And he has some very old bottle of uh, my domain. And uh, it was the, nine, the 81 that we opened. And the first thing I saw, it was corked. And he said, okay, you know what? Give it some air and see what happened with oxygen. 
the wine was stunning. Uh, yeah, I have to say that I am, and it was a, and unfortunately it was an expensive lesson that he and I both learned. But yeah, sometimes they just yeah, need a little they, bit of air. They need to. Br- yeah, come on. Can you imagine when you are traveling uh, like in a coach class, an economy class in a plane in a plane for fifteen for years? Fifteen years. <laughs> then you go out. You're a little bit stinky and sticky <laughs> as well, and you really need to take your shower. So it's the same thing. Oh, and Charlotte, I have to say that you have the best analogies. <laughs> you know, the vintage is like children, you know, the teenage years for the dumb phase and yeah, a 15-year flight being a little stinky. You're right. You need to get out, yes. take a shower, stretch your legs. Yes. Yeah, right. if I were in a bottle for 15 years, yeah, I'd certainly want to breathe. That. Yeah. It's uh, like, you know, Aladdin and the the genius in the lamp. Uh-huh. Do you remember this yeah, Aladdin. movie, yes. Aladdin? Yeah. So you need to Aladdin. let the genius go out of the lamp for a little while. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. He needs to get out and stretch. Yeah. Well, Anne Charlotte, it's been an absolute pleasure Thank having you. you on this podcast. You are your personality is infectious. Your wines are beautiful, and Thank I you. just absolutely adore your analogies. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to us today. Yeah, merci beaucoup. Merci. À bientôt. À bientôt. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Vine Guy, a WTOP News podcast. This episode was produced by Sarah Beth Hensley. The music you heard is Wishful Thinking by Dan Leibowitz, available in the YouTube audio library. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter and catch my Wine of the Week segments every Friday on WTOP and WTOP.com. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the sleep number bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details.